Cowboys are getting a little bit ugly out there. Give them, give them all a cookie and make them settle down. In this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast, our we love doing these. This is our official 2019 NHL trade deadline primer. Uh, we're not going to inundate you with too much of our voices before we get to the meat of it. Uh, we're going to start out with our interview with uh, Max Boltman of the Athletic Detroit. Enjoy. Welcome to the Winged Wheel podcast 2019 NHL trade deadline primer episode. Uh, that's not the important news. The important news is that we have Max Boltman. Hashtag friend of the winged wheel, uh, Max from the Athletic Detroit. Thank you so much again uh, for joining us again. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's really good to be back. Yeah, of course. So, Max, you're. Uh, we were talking a little bit before we started recording, and you're uh, also dog sitting on your end. I am. Yeah, our uh, our Michigan and, and, t- and right now Tigers writer Cody Stavenhagen is down at spring training. So I uh, told him I would watch his little olive for. These couple weeks, and she's been very good. We just went on a walk. Oh, Olive, that's a sweet name. That's it's nice. It's a nice yeah, juxtaposition because Brad also has two dogs of his own, but they're not nice or sweet. They're kind of horrible, <laughs> and so it's a little bit of the same thing going on. Oh, come on! Those dogs are dumber than a bag of hammers, but they don't have a mean bone in their bodies. No, no, they don't. Uh, so, Max, I, I know for for uh, listeners who are following all of us on Twitter, which you all should be. Uh, They'll probably be privy to a lot of our going uh, back and forth. Um, Max, you've been pouring out article after article, amazing piece after amazing piece uh, on what is a pretty um, content-heavy trade deadline for the Detroit Red Wings. Um, this is a pretty unique point for Ken Holland and company. Yeah, there's uh, where there's differing opinions on where they are in the rebuild or rebuild on the fly, and there's a, a few uh, pieces that can go uh, a couple different ways here. Yeah, I think that's definitely fair to say. I think, I think it's a pretty pivotal one. Not only because of that, what you what, what you're saying, it could go multiple different ways, but because they actually have some really valuable things that I think to, to trade. I mean, there was the Mike Green thing last year that everyone kind of thought he was going to be worth a first round pick, um, and obviously there was some injury stuff that that seemed to get in the way of that. But there's like legitimately three pieces on the table here, all expiring contracts, all pending UFAs who I don't think it's unreasonable to ask for a second-round pick or better for. And and so you figure not all of them are going to happen, but I think a lot of Red Wings fans are just hoping that none of them don't happen, like like at least one of them happens, you know? Yeah. So I'm going to start off uh, with the doozy question here because I was asked this on Twitter actually just before we started recording. Of the three main pieces, Gustav Nyquist, Nick Jensen, uh, Jimmy Howard, of the three, how many would you bet get traded? I've been going with one for a while, and today's the first day that I thought it could maybe be two. Um, I've been saying that it's going to be Nyquist and probably not a whole lot else, but uh, especially with sort of the the Bob McKenzie rumblings from last night on Jensen, and then after we talked to Nick a little bit today, um, I could, you know, I could see it. Like, and certainly to me, it it has just come down to whether or not I thought teams were going to kind of properly value Nick Jensen because he didn't come into this year as like a really known commodity. I think Nyquist is not only is having a great year, but had the, like the pre-existing name recognition that I think everyone kind of knows what Gus Nyquist is doing right now, what he could add to their team. I wasn't sure if people kind of knew that with, with Nick Jensen, it's now after kind of looking at it, he might be the best rental D on the market. Like that still might not, you know, mean a whole lot. Like it's, you know, Jake Muzzin already moved for example. So it doesn't sound like he's the premier guy who's going to change teams, um, you know, over the whole season, but he could be over the next week. Um, and I think that that has a lot of intrigue. If there are teams looking for D, especially right shot D 
he might be a guy, especially when you figure in the cap hit, who's going to bring the best value back. Nyquist's situation is going to be this clogged market, right? And it's certainly possible that he gets lost in the shuffle there. My thinking has been, depending on what happens out West, if you can get one of those Western teams, let's say like Nashville most for Matthew Shane, uh, Winnipeg most for Mark Stone. I mean, then obviously the question is, is like, is Panarin going to go to Calgary? Is Zuccarello going to go to Calgary? Is Nyquist going to go to Calgary? It can get complicated in a hurry. And I think Boston moving for Charlie Coyle took, you know, a semi-realistic um, option out of that marketplace. But I still come back and that the year Nyquist is having and the relative cost that he's going to take to acquire him. And I, I, I have to think that someone's going to bite on that at some point. We'll see. But uh, I, I still kind of think I, that he's going to he's going to be the most likely to be moved. Have you heard anything about what um, the list Nyquist submitted to the Red Wings about what the teams he'd be willing to be traded to looks like? Or has he officially submitted that? Because I know Chris Johnson on Saturday night reported that the Red Wings had asked him for a list. Do you know if there's anything specific there and how long that list might be? I don't. And I'll say that it's pretty distinctly to the Red Wings interest to not let that information get out for obvious reasons, like leverage wise. If, if a team knows that it's on the approved list and another team who's maybe thought to be in for him is not on that list, that really hurts the Red Wings negotiating position. So I would not expect that information to get out, to be honest, it may be after the deadline. But certainly beforehand, I would think that's going to be kept under really tight lock and key. Nyquist himself has, you know, to his credit, he's a really nice guy. He, he's, I think he's just about done answering kind of questions. He, he's kind of gone into really polite, no comment mode over the last week. Um, so I don't think that information's getting out. Um, but we'll see if it does. And obviously, you know, I'd love to know just as much as everybody else what, what those teams are. So I, th- I think internally, like, internally within us, the podcast, we've kind of landed on, um, yes, Brad and I have agreed on something. Uh, we've kind of landed on uh, Nyquist, <laughs> if not sold for a first or an equivalent package, a second plus or what have you. Um, it might be in the team's best interest to just sign him instead rather than sell him for a low second or worse. What's your take on that? And also, uh, what do you have? What pulse do you get from the organization in terms of their valuation, their true valuation of them? Um, yeah, okay, that's a good question. Okay, so you guys are probably holding a little firmer line than I would, uh, but I would have a similar stance probably at like, like I think if push comes to shove and it's 1 p.m. on deadline day, I would do a second if I was them be, just because I, I think, you know, it's it's it, that's what I expected coming into the year. Like I thought that's like that's that was going to be a solid thing coming into the year. And he's having a great year. And I definitely definitely do see the value of like this is what we think a player's worth. This is what we're going to get for him, or we're not going to move him. I also think there's an argument to be made, and and maybe he does fit in. And, and a lot of it kind of depends on the number that he kind of would feel like he would need to to be back in Detroit. Um, but I think you look down the line, right? And you guys read the. Um, the story I did of, of like six weeks ago or whatever on building a contender in Larkin's window. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So like I think about that, that projection sheet that Dom basically made up for that fairly often where it's like, all right, here's like the pieces that are in place. If you put Nyquist into one of those spots, that's fine. He's, he's he probably fills that kind of second line winger vacancy that you have for a few years. The question is how long does he hold this level? If you're going to pay him coming out of this year, is he going to want to be paid like a potentially like 65 point winger? 
Like, I, I don't think he's going to be able to, like, really, like, stick a, a really firm line or draw a really firm line in the sand there because obviously everyone can look, just look at the track record and say, okay, yes, this, this is a really great year, but it probably can't be expected to be, like, the norm for him going forward. But the fact remains he's going to be negotiating out of this year, right? So if you're going to pay him really good money um, or, or really good term, either one or maybe both, like, you probably need – some pretty good certainty that he's going to hold this level for not just the next couple of years, because those aren't really the years that the wings are going to be super contenders here. You know, like I feel like you're kind of looking at his age, 32, 33 seasons. And then you're like, Ooh, is that the cap hit that Detroit is going to want to have for a guy who, who, who knows? Is he a 40 point player? Is that like, is he busy back in that 40 to 45 point range? Do you want a guy at, you know, five and a half, whatever. I don't know what the number is, but like, I'm, I'm spitballing here, like five and a half, six, whatever. If it's those numbers and then you're a contender, that gets tougher. So it depends on what the number is, I'm sure. It depends on what the term he wants is for sure. And like you guys have kind of alluded to, it kind of depends on where everyone thinks they're in the rebuild. If, if that, you know, 2019, 2020 season playoff hope is not just kind of hope and it's a serious like intention, Maybe you can rationalize it, I guess, but I don't, if, if it's me, I'm holding the chips for next year and just seeing what they can do. And I kind of highlight the 2021 season. So it's a long way of saying that uh, I think you guys, we probably think pretty similarly on the issue, but I think you guys may have a little bit higher uh, threshold for what, uh, where, where you'd want to hold the line than if it was me. And in terms of uh, the organization, it, it, Ken Holland, um, he's, I think, been playing saying exactly what needs to be said to the media, you know, saying he's always happy to re-sign these players, which I think is the right call, actually, uh, if you're in a very saturated market to encourage GMs to not hold out uh, for a lower price. Um, how much of that do you think is him say, him actually being incredibly comfortable with re-signing Nyquist, and how much of it do you think is him kind of leaning more towards uh, your line of thinking, which is he'll be sold in the end for anything like sufficiently reasonable we're just trying to maximize profit here no i think i think it's genuine like i like when i talked to him the sense that i got obviously to the q a about a month ago in grand rapids the sense that i got at that point was he's got interest in some of these guys he wouldn't specifically name them but you know i, I was kind of reading between the lines of, of who he's talking about here he's interested in resigning them but he knows you know, if the if the price comes along, he's got to do what he's got to do. Like if if someone comes along that's got, that wants to pay the price, then he knows what he's got to do. Um, now the question ultimately just becomes, what is the price? Like to me, it probably means a little bit lower than it does maybe to him. Um, but I'll also say, kind of as you've alluded to, like with like these kind of comments in the media, it may not be on purpose, but it's purposeful. Like it's good for the Red Wings to have it out there. Uh, that that's what they want. Like, you know, and, and far be it from me to say exactly what that necessarily, uh, where that kind of comes from. Like I, I do, but I believe it. Like, I believe that that's genuine. I, they, I'm sure they're, you know, they're negotiating with these guys. They're, they're talking about these things. I'm sure they have interest. Um, but it definitely is to their advantage for people to know that, if that makes sense. Like, like you want teams exactly kind of like you're alluding to, you want teams to know, Hey, if, if, you know, if, uh, if I'm Brad Trevelling in, in Calgary, I, you know, if I think Ken Holland actually might 
be down to hang on to these guys through, you know, February 26th, then maybe that motivates me a little more to try and act a little quicker and not, not wait it out thinking that the price is going to suddenly fall at the deadline. Yeah. Cause um, just to actually branch off that uh, listening to one of the reports today about uh, or reports, uh, the 31 thoughts podcast with Elliot Friedman, he was saying that he thinks Ken Holland is going to wait this out to the last minute, just like he did last year with Tomas Tatar and catch a team panicking. So do you think the odds, what do you think the odds are we see anything done before Monday? It's interesting. I, I kind of liked Ryan's line. I think, was it Ryan? Ryan, you were the one talking about this this morning, right? Where it's like, you know, maybe the teams who get frustrated waiting on stone yeah. will, will push. So I think like, and I don't know. I, I mean, Elliot's really sharp and I, definitely can see that being the way that this plays out where they're going to try and catch somebody who, who misses out on their, their version of Carlson with Vegas last year. I also think if someone's like, screw it, we want to get this set and done and not waste any more days in our season that, that we could be getting um, our rental in here to start syncing up. And that was something that Thomas Vanek talked about um, this week. That I thought was really interesting as he kind of talked about all of his trade experiences was how hard it is to sync up with a new team. If a team decides like we're 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 ready to do this right now and like you know we'll 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 go with the first or we'll go with the second plus a solid prospect and do it like I don't know I don't know if I want to risk that offer going away you know especially when there are so many wingers on the market like if you're if you're Detroit and you turn down that deal how do you know they're not just going to bring it right over to New York for Zuccarello so I can definitely see a world where all of this is playing out at you know from noon to three on Monday, certainly I can see that, but I can also see a world where something happens over the weekend or, or just when somebody decides, you know, they're out on a couple of the big fish, you know what I mean? A hundred percent. So transitioning now to one of the other big three coming into the deadline, Jimmy Howard. Now he's at least amongst the fan base, been one of the more uh, divisive opinions in whether we should resign or sell given that, if they sell him and he doesn't resign, in all likelihood, Detroit's running with Jonathan Bernier for the next couple of years as the starter. Where do you think the organization is leaning with Jimmy Howard? And more importantly, actually, do you think there's a market for Jimmy Howard? Because there's not a lot of teams out there searching for a goalie right now. Right. And I think, you know, where they're leaning, I think it's the same deal. I think it's exactly what we've been talking about the whole way, maybe, with maybe even a little stronger inclination. To, to to extend or, or resign or where you know depending on whatever that happens the phraseology like I would think he's probably the guy you're most likely to see in Detroit next year almost no matter what happens of those three um, and a big part of it I think is probably what you're talking about with the market like what contender doesn't have a goalie um, and and I think you can look at Calgary and see David Riddick and think he needs a backup, or you can look at, you know, the hypothetical of Columbus trading Bobrovsky and maybe they need a goalie. Um, I'm missing somebody that is obvious on that front, but whatever the point is like, there's just, there's never quite as many teams at this time of year looking to add a goalie and especially looking to pay up for a goalie. Um, and so I, that's where I kind of just think, it's going to be really hard for, for anyone to come up with the kind of price that's going to really motivate the Red Wings to, to move on from Jimmy Howard, especially considering their future goalie situation. Now, this is the one that always gets me. Is, um, you know, I, Your take on uh, Nyquist in terms of maybe being a little firmer and then maybe being a little bit more realistic about you know the guy needs to be moved, he needs to maximize assets here. Why is there this disparity between Nyquist and Howard? 
I know the answer, and Brad's looking at me like I've told you the answer a million times, you doorknob, um, which is that it's incredibly hard to come by starting goalies. But for an organization right. that's going through what they're going through right now, a starting goalie, in my mind, is really not the highest priority. And with the potential of him coming back, why not just take a third or a fourth even in terms of what's offered? Yeah, it would be an undervaluation, absolutely. But, you know, he's getting older. Um, he wants to come back. Is this a loyalty thing? Or am I just kind of really... Do, is my assessment of, of uh, how go- valuable starting goalie is to Detroit right now kind of out of whack from the way the organization thinks? Um, okay, so here's what I would say. The answer kind of depends on the answer to the previous questions that we've talked about, about like how how sort of serious, where do you think they are in the rebuild kind of thing, right? Like if you think that by, there's a chance that by 2021 they can push for a playoff spot, who is going to be the goalie on a team on a Red Wings team if not Jimmy Howard that's pushing for a playoff spot? I like Jonathan Bernier. I think that he probably has not gotten a fair shake this year. He's been in a lot of bad situations. But even then, that's the last year of his contract too. So you're banking a lot on either the accelerated development of Philip Larson or Keith Petrozelli. You're banking on some kind of miracle pulling off somewhere else. Um, or you're banking on somebody in free agency who, who nobody sees coming right now if that's when you think they can compete. Now, if you're thinking 21, 22 is the first year that they're going to make a playoff run, you can feel a little more comfortable uh, making that gamble because goalies are really hard to project anyway, especially more than a year down the line. Um, if that if that is the case, if, if you think that there, this is not a playoff team for at least two additional seasons from now, um, then I think your line of thinking definitely gets legs because then it's like, well, Jimmy's not going to be able to do it by then anyway. And, you know, I, I'm not a big, like, I'm kind of, I wrote about this and have kind of taken a little bit of flack for not thinking that <laughs> middle round picks or something that's like really, you know, that desirable to go all in on pursuing. But in that situation, if you think you're not a playoff team for two years and you have a goalie who is not going to be in the league that much longer, you know, more than two or three years, then yeah, I guess like that's, that's where I genuinely believe get something. But it's a, it's more of a question of like the timeline and, and like like Ryan I guess has said to you like it's hard to find starting goaltending and if you want to be a playoff team that's a must. So then let's actually dive into that a little bit before we get to Nick Jensen because um, I, I even wrote an article for the Wings Nation over the weekend t- talking about okay well let's take Ken Holland at his word what would it take Detroit to make the playoffs next year and the conclusion I came away with was a lot it would take an absolute lot going right <laughs> for them. Where do you think the organization, do you get a gut feeling of where the organization thinks they're really going to turn it around? Is it next year or is that just Ken Holland saying the things he needs to say to keep the fan base engaged? It's it's like, it's hard to parse words like that. You know, like, like when I asked Ken, he thinks they should make a playoff run. He said he hopes next year. So he said he hopes next year. So I don't know how to parse that. Does that mean like realistically next year? Or does it mean like that's ideal for them? Right. So like, no, I don't have a firm understanding of like where on their kind of calendar that happens. But I'll say like for me, I look at 2021 as that year. Um, I mean, it to me, okay, so you got Phelps Adina right now starting to kind of come alive in Grand Rapids. Next year, you're probably breaking him in as a rookie. You're probably going to get maybe a spurt of Joe Valeno at some point as some kind of call up from Grand Rapids. And who knows where the first honor this year is at. 
um, you're going to have a bunch of expiring defensemen after next year. Um, so that means you're going into 2021. You got to redo some contracts of some RFAs, Bertuzzi, FNC, Mantha. And then you're going into that with your kind of core, presumably Larkin, Mantha, Bertuzzi, Athanasiu, Zadina, probably full rookie Valeno, Nielsen, Rasmussen, Sveshnikov, assuming that, you know, that's still around, uh, Abdelkader, Helm, and what, N? Oh, the 2019 first rounder. And then the defense is DeKaiser, Chalowski, Hronik, and then we'll see. So, <laughs> and then we'll see. What? <laughs> no, that's right, just a, exactly. yeah. So that's, that's where I concluded it makes sense to bring Jensen back. Not because it's not crazy to have another log gem next year. It is crazy to have another log gem next year. It's going to be a problem to have another log gem next year. But it, that log gem evaporates into like almost a shortage the year after that. And if you've got one of the defensemen this year who's been part of the solution, not part of the problem, it seems kind of crazy to me to put yourself in a situation where you're going to have a shortage and a ton, a ton, a ton of kids in two years when you could have this veteran who's pretty solid still in the fold. Um, but again, there's so many moving parts and we're talking so far in the future um, that I'll just end up confusing myself sometimes <laughs> getting into all this. <laughs> One thing that I find is, is when we're doing this, when we're really getting in the weeds is that we'll project and we'll talk about, you know, which prospect might be in what range depending on his development. And then you look at how the organization talks outwardly and how much information they give and they're never really giving us more than two weeks into the future at a time so we look like eggheads right. talking about nothing well uh, no and i feel like that too sometimes it's like you know i i did that uh projecting the expansion draft list right after seattle was announced and like almost immediately i come to learn that you know i should probably have been a lot higher on lindstrom who you know, I left exposed in that meaningless projection article, but like probably should not have, you know what I mean? Like, it's just the kind of thing that, you know, you definitely open yourself up to showing your ass a little bit when you, when you look that far ahead. Projecting. Yeah. Um, so Brian Lawton, uh, a couple of days ago talked about, um, he, he mentioned what we've talked about today, which is that interest has really picked up on Jensen and that the current asking price is believed to be a second rounder plus, uh, but the current offer from clubs is a third. And what I read that as is, oh man, the Red Wings are going to get that second, maybe a second plus for Jensen. Because if if you're only talking a round difference in what the offer is nearly two weeks out or a week out plus from the trade deadline, I can really see teams finding that, you know, digging deep into their pockets to fill in the gaps for a right-handed depth defenseman who can probably pay, play a 4-5 spot if you need him to. And actually, even on top of that, um, I, one of Max's uh, colleagues, Dom Luchijan, put out an article today, and, and one of the key highlights I took from it from a Red Wing standpoint was as far as true rentals go, Nick Jensen was about the only defenseman that brought true value. That that, And I think team, now that Jake Muzzin is gone, even though he's got another year left, Adam McQuaid doesn't move the needle a lot. And there's a couple other defensemen being floated around with term, like um, Brandon Montour or Jared Spurgeon or, or whoever, but... A lot of teams like Winnipeg and Nashville. (laughs) Everybody in Carolina. And a lot of teams can't afford cap beyond this year because they're going for it now and they have contracts when you look at Toronto and the Winnipegs of the world. Um, Do you think teams kind of just, and that's what happened with Jensen, is teams looked around the league and went, crap, there's not a lot out there for us. (laughs) I feel like you got to think that, right? Like, And that's like where where we were talking, like I think Ryan's dead on, like 
if teams right now are only a round off and there's like a real reason to think that he might be the best rental D on the market, like, yeah, you're going to come up with that round. Like if the ask is a second, I think they're going to get a second. Um, Brad, what you mentioned about him having the only uh, real value as a rental, I just feel like we never actually see true value as a rental besides teams who just take a shot. Like, uh, uh, the guy in Kempney in Washington, like yeah. he was a guy who brought that value, but that even surprised people. So the, to me, you're looking at Jensen and I actually think that there's an outside chance of him, there being a bidding war for him and Ken Holland making out like a bandit, like he did with, uh, uh Tomas Tatar, not the same return, mind you. I don't think that'll be repeated, but he, as someone who's a very, um, prominent Holland critic. What about the Brennan Smith deal though, right? Like second and third, you know, the, I mean, uh, that seems crazy to think that like a team's going to go from offering a third to a second and a third, but it's it's also like, and I don't think I don't think it'll happen. But like, yeah, could you see like a second plus or like, I don't know, even if it comes down to like two thirds or something, like that's kind of interesting, you know? It is, and you know what? Like all this attention from you know big names that aren't in Detroit, like the Detroit Twitterverse, the Detroit hockey media world, now paying attention to Jensen means we have huge uh, resources and huge pools of data that show that back up the kind of hockey Jensen is playing. He's standing out amongst a very, very weak decor. And so uh, it's just absolutely mind-blowing that he was undervalued for this long, but it, it kind of is all falling into place now where teams are thinking, oh man, this guy can put out and it doesn't, you don't have to scroll far in your timeline to see the kind of stats that, that Jensen's putting up on a team that's, you know, not exactly backing him up. He has Jimmy Howard in net, and that's both the only thing propping up his gameplay right now. It's interesting too. Cause it's like, I don't think that, you know, Jensen's in his, th- he's 28, but he's in his third year. So it, it actually kind of makes sense to me why this leap could be happening. Like, and it not be a total, like, you know, anomaly situation or where everyone's screaming, Oh, there's mitigating factors because this is, you know, he's a third year defenseman. It could take some time to adjust to, uh, to the national hockey league game. It kind of makes sense to me. Like I, I get why he can kind of creep, he could kind of crept up on people and why even, you know, even a month ago, um, which is when I kind of started to really notice like, Oh, he's really, not only is he really doing something, but he's got an opportunity to have this kind of big moment over the last stretch here, getting his next contract, proving whether he fits in Detroit or whether he's going to go to a contender. Um, it makes sense to me what, why he could have crept up on people, but it's huge for him and huge for the Red Wings that he has. Imagine if you had um, wrote an article at the beginning of the season telling the Red Wings fan base that there is a very realistic chance the Red Wings would trade Gus Nyquist and Nick Jensen, and they would garner identical returns. <laughs> I, I would have I, I wrote into like slid right into DMs, Max yelling at you that way. <laughs> but here we are. The market determines everything. There's a million wingers on the market, and there's, according to Dom, one worthwhile rental on defense. Speaking of wingers, it's worth noting though, right? Like, like Nyquist was pretty high on that list for Dom too, wasn't he? Didn't he have like a he, him it, like point eight or something game score right around the same areas like Kevin Hayes. He was um, him and Zuccarello were the first two names he mentioned after Stone, Panarin, and Duchesne. They were the next right. tier for right. him. So that that does speak a lot because again, only three teams are gonna are gonna get those big three, uh, assuming they're traded. Which means the other three, four teams looking for a winger. If they have the, if they're looking at the same stats, Dom is that would 
put Nyquist pretty high on the list. I I think it's more than reasonable Nyquist gets a first, but you never know with the saturated market. That's another thing that I think I maybe maybe the fan base would have liked to hear at the start of the season, but like people were asking it, and I I remember like doing like a live chat, and was like, "You think Jensen gets a first? And I was like, "No, sorry, Tatar got a first because he had three years term. It's not going to happen for Jensen." And now. I kind of look across the landscape and like, I don't know if he'll get the first, but I don't think it's unreasonable at all for them to want a first rip. I don't think that's, that's like an unfair, like pie in the sky negotiating ask. No, especially this is a, I say this probably every deadline, but this is a weird deadline in that things aren't moving at the pace. They should be. Ottawa currently hasn't traded stone Duchesne or Dezingle. And two of those guys are the biggest names on the market. Just things aren't moving. And so if Detroit wants to jack up their prices, in anticipation of teams having to scramble, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that's not—it's not exactly bad play, and it's not—I um, don't even think it's an outrageous ask. Now, speaking of wingers, uh, the Red Wings official account tweeted that Abdulkader is missing practice due to flu symptoms. Are those flu symptoms? Or are we seeing Abdulkader on the market here? <laughs> I don't know, man. Have you seen uh, the flu that's been going around the whole locker room? <laughs> so I think it's legit. Like All right, Nielsen Paul. had it, Nyquist had it, now Advocators got it. I think it's I think it's safe to to take them at their word on that. You okay. don't want to get a, a Tortorella response, do you? <laughs> <laughs> well, nothing would make me happier. <laughs> yeah, Max Boltman out here crushing. Actually, dreams. I believe that from you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Brad was is going to tackle. Uh, well, he's going to ask you the hard hitting questions about beyond the trade deadline now. So when we're we were already talking about a little bit the potential log jam coming up at the end of the season. We know Ken Holland's tendency to be loyal to his guys, and we've heard the reports about Cronwell coming back. What? What do you expect to happen at the end of the season with the with the UFAs that? are not likely to be traded at the deadline, i.e. Vanek, Cronwall, Witkowski. Um, from what I'm, I've been reading in the tea leaves myself, it looks like at least two of them are, are likely coming back um, in Vanek and Cronwall. Is that, are those rumors that have been floating around pretty justified? I don't know if I've seen the Vanek one. Where was that from? Uh, that was just kind of... Uh, I. Can't remember exactly where I read it. I want to say it was about two weeks ago. Ah, for life of me, I'll try and find it before we're done talking. But um, yeah. But either way, uh, point still stands. Where do you? Th- uh, question still stands. Sorry. Where do you think Ken Holland's mind is at with those uh, less desirable UFAs? Yeah, and honestly, I haven't even gotten to them like from, from that side. Like it's it kind of took me by a little bit of surprise when that when that kind of dialogue started happening with Cromwell and then he kind of said he we you know he was asked about it and he kind of said we'll see where I'm at at the end of the year I, I kind of felt like I had been operating on the assumption that he was going to retire for the entire time until I heard him say that so that took me by surprise I have not to be honest gotten really past the, the trade deadline and the outlook there for <laughs> as far as talking to anybody about those guys like I I I don't know man I I think I'm probably a little bit like you guys where I where I pencil how certain things are going to go into my head and I just I'm like okay yeah this, this is going to happen at this point and then all of a sudden like like you said like two weeks out it suddenly is like oh well this you know this guy could come back or this this could happen and it's like oh well, I've got to recalibrate how all of that looks now I mean 
they need to they need a spot open next year, right? Like they can't just bring everybody back. It seems crazy. Um, <laughs> it seems crazy, but surprise me. But like, I also can't say it would be floor. I don't know. Like they like Vanek. Vanek loves it here. I was just talking to him the other day, and he really likes it here. He really likes what they're building. Um, so I don't know. I guess it wouldn't. I wouldn't be like jaw dropped on the floor, but I also just don't think it. Timeline wise, I don't know if it makes sense. Like they need a spot for Zadina. Maybe I don't know. Are they gonna put Rasmussen in the AHL then? Or are they gonna? I don't know. I don't know how all of it looks. Like at some point, I think Philip Zadina is gonna need a spot next year, and it's got to come from somewhere. But if they if they want to go into to camp thinking, you know, here's who we've got, take somebody's spot. You know, that wouldn't be out of character either. So. I, I don't know. I haven't given much thought to it. It's kind of, I, I hadn't even heard that Vanek one before just now. So I'm processing it in real time. <laughs> so I, I'll assume I it's not I true. It's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of. No, because I, like I said, I haven't asked anybody about it. Like that, like it's the kind of thing that you said it and I was like, I haven't heard that. But then I was like, I, I guess it doesn't, doesn't not make sense. Well, in so that I, case, don't ask. Have to, yeah. yeah, don't ask. Don't put the idea in anyone's head. The, the ignorance would be bliss for us at this point, truthfully. I, I was really hoping you to just come back and go, oh, yeah, I heard that too. It's garbage. Don't listen to it. That's so. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. I couldn't. Sorry. I couldn't be uh, firmer on that. I, I, I hadn't crossed my mind to ask. Uh, no worries. <laughs> so speaking of uh, spots needing to come from somewhere, I guess we just failed to ask you, other than the big three, Nyquist, Jensen, and Howard, um, are there any names floating around in the trade world, or is anyone kicking tires on Red Wings players that we haven't discussed, or people maybe not even be expecting kind of dark horse candidates to be shipped? Mm, I'd love to to break some news on that, um, but I don't have any for yeah. you. Um, but I am I'm like I'm interested in like you know that there was three Toronto scouts at the game last night, right? Yeah. yeah. So my obvious inclination is like is that Jensen or Glenn Denning, um, or is it just you know, scouts be scouting kind of thing. Like who knows, but three's a lot. Um, I will say, I kind of have saved this tidbit. You know how there were two, you see the, the thing, there was like two wing scouts at Colorado, uh, Vegas this week. Yep. Yeah. I was trying to figure out what that could possibly be about. And the two people who were there, I won't give names, but those were not just scouts. Like those were brain trust people. Uh, like people who who you'd not think are just like out watching, you know, Avs Vegas for a pre scout. That mm-hmm. is something I'm really trying to figure out. Like, what is going on? What was going on there? Was that just like compulsory? I don't know. Like the, the two people who were there, I would put kind of. It wasn't Ken Holland, but it was like brain trust, like I said. So, kind of curious what that could have been about. Especially like they're watching NHL guys. You don't need to scout the NHL team to know you want their first round pick. So, kind of yeah. curious what that would have been about made kind of sent some alarm bells off in my head. Um, but yeah, I don't have any news to break on that front, but I, I am very curious about a couple of those things, especially that, you know, I, I, maybe I'm reading too much into the, the scouts who are scouting, but, uh, those are the, the things that I'm kind of kicking around in my head right now. Well, I mean, you're joking that you're not having news to break, but that actually is pretty substantial news to break, to know that it's, it's brain trust guys. If we're talking like, I, and this isn't me asking you to disclose it, but if we're talking like Ryan Martin, Chris Draper level, then that, that's pretty significant. This makes me think, you know, the organization has come out and said that they're going to have to go off the board to try and be competitive sooner. Are they going to try to make a move for like a Nikita Zadorov or a, a Tyson Berry on Colorado or maybe even one of Vegas's guys? 
Well, and I don't, like the thing, I, that's literally the reason I haven't like you know thrown this out there really because I don't want to speculate on it. Like I don't want to put it on Twitter because it, it goes viral and then like you know, who knows where. It, and also like you know I didn't see these people there. Like I DM'd somebody and was like, "Who are the people on the list?" And they sent me the names. I'm like, "Oh, that is interesting." Mm-hmm. So I can't like say like for a fact these people spotted watching this guy. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's nothing, but like it's the kind of thing that like when I heard that's who was on the list which again, I didn't see for myself. I was like, that's, that's alarm bells kind of thing. Um, not obviously nothing imminent has happened. It's been a few days and nothing happened there, but if something happens with Vegas or Colorado, um, I'm going to look back on that and wish that I had, I had, uh, figured that out a little sooner. <laughs> it's all right. You can always just, uh, quote, tweet the wing Grill podcast and say you broke it here first. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. We'll actually, we'll actually, uh, label you as an official host. You can just have Evan spot. No, no. And, and like, that's kind of the thing, right? Is I like, I don't know. I'm happy to, to say it on here, especially with as, as little specificity as I did, because I trust you guys and oh, I think yeah. it's pretty interesting. And also it's just a scout list. Like there's nothing there, but, uh, I did want to be careful that I didn't, you know, throw anything too, uh, what's the word reckless out there too soon. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, well, based on, I, I, I have a hard time believing that Colorado would be the team they were looking at because from all reports I was hearing, Me too. even on Friedman's uh, 31 Thoughts today, he was saying he expects Colorado to be pretty quiet at the deadline. But Vegas is a team where they've been actively looking for a winger. They've been apparently one of the teams really hot and heavy on Mark Stone. Um, their defense looks good, but Nick Jensen would certainly improve it. And I, and I again, I wish I would have wrote down, I did read something a few days ago that they might be looking for some insurance behind Marc-Andre Fleury. So all three of the Red Wings' main trade pieces make sense for Vegas. So, But yeah, like you said, I don't know who, looking at Vegas' roster, who Detroit would be looking at off that roster in return for any of those players. Yeah, I was going up and down the roster. I was like, I don't I don't see. Because like, okay, so if it was me trading with Vegas, my first ask would be about Brandstrom. But he's in Chicago. He's not even in Vegas. So you look at some of their young guys and it's not even like they're in a situation like Calgary where some of their, you know, young, you know, prospect ish guys have been, you know, down the NHL roster. So it's, it's interesting. It's very interesting and it may be nothing, but it's, it's interesting enough. Nothing that I felt like it was yeah. bringing up. Max, come on. You should know by now this time of year, everything is something, <laughs> everything. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, so Ken Holland has been, I don't want to say in the media more so than he usually is because I guess the last couple of years is the biggest microscope that's ever been consistently on him. But we have been getting more and more tidbits from him over the past few weeks. And one thing that I noticed he's saying is um, he mentioned something about not being so interested in just trading just to stockpile more picks. He, He feels that there's a lot in terms of volume and quality in the organization and in the pipeline as is. And he's not so heavy on just stockpiling picks anymore. My personal take on this is that he hasn't been doing that for long enough. And yes, 30 picks or whatever it is, or three drafts or 31 is quite a bit. But is the organization genuinely looking away from continuing to stop stockpile picks? Like, do they genuinely feel like they're coming out of this rebuild phase of the rebuild on the fly? So that was one of the more interesting uh when you transcribe something, sometimes the, the tone of voice kind of gets lost in context, the way something said gets lost. And sometimes the message changes. And I, I've been trying to figure out if that happened in there or if, mm-hmm. or if it didn't. And I just didn't take it that seriously. 
uh, when I heard it live. So where I kind of like when I talked to Ken about this and he, he made an allusion to that, like I just kind of felt like it maybe more, and maybe it was cause I had written about mid round picks earlier that week. And so it was on my mind. I don't get the sense that like, they're like, we've had enough first and second round picks. Like that's, that was not the sense I got when he said that I, I felt like it was more just like, there's a literal number of contracts you can hold. You have to sign the prospects. There's a literal, there's like a little ro- literal roster number that you can hold. And at some point, you can already look down the line and be like, huh, do they have room for both Jared McIsaac and Gustav Lindstrom? <laughs> like, and those are both like really high-level prospects. So to me, it's like, yeah, you're never saying, like, get out of here with that second-round pick. But when you get beyond that, maybe you do start to say, like, do we really need those that you know third and fourth combo and, like, we already have prospects we really like? who might not fit. And I, I totally get the kicks at the can argument. I think it's super valid. I think it's super accurate and over time has held true, but that was kind of more how I took it. And so I don't know if, if that was me not taking it seriously enough or maybe some of the, the intonation or meaning getting lost in, you know, emotionless text, you know? Mm -hmm. So don't ring the alarm bells quite yet is what you're saying. It's not like I don't think there's some validity in them saying like, or, or people being mad when when they like point to the number of picks they have made, especially because like it's not like all of those picks have been like home run picks that you're like, how will we possibly have room for these guys? But there are a couple of areas where I think, okay, like you're picking in the third round, like what you need are like two first pair defenders. You probably you're probably set on your bottom four, like with deaths on your bottom four. So yes, you can find like really good number ones in the third and fourth and fifth round. But also those guys who you do find are probably going to be like going to college and like come out in four years as that. And that's still worth it. But you know, it's what a 5% or less chance at that versus whatever percent chance you think you're going to resign a guy. So that's kind of how I took it and how I see it. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it depends how much people think. Uh, it. I don't ever want to tell someone how mad they should be about something because it's totally up to you how how you value this or or where you think you know the priority should be. I don't you know if you if that's really important to you that they have the most possible draft picks and you're a hardliner on pick ten times every draft. I think it's fine. That's your philosophy. You should stick to that. That's you know how you approach it. Um, but I also think there's a little bit of validity in them pointing to, you know, we've made a lot of these middle round picks, you know, up, up to this point. If, if that's if that's their stance, I think that's that's there's some fairness in that too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and that's it's good of you to say to, that you're not telling people how mad to be because that's generally what we do on this podcast. So it's good that that's not coming from too many places. <laughs> Um, I think honestly we've run the gamut as to what to ask you I could sit here and ask you if you have any secret information on Steve Eiserman linking to Detroit but I think we all know how that conversation will end Um, anything else well what I always think when people ask the Eiserman question is like I read for a subscription website I promise if I had (laughs) Steve Eiserman information it would be the like most important subscription piece I ever did. Why would I withhold that from anybody? <laughs> Max Even Boltman just purely sinks, self-interest. <laughs> Max Boltman sinks career potential. Hands out article for free. <laughs> oh man! Uh, anything else for a wings no, fan? No, but I'm just saying, like, if, if I'm, I'm saying, if I not like, I wouldn't say it on your podcast. Like, I'm saying, like, 
why would I not have already written it? Oh, if yeah. If I knew something, it'd be on the site. Oh, man. <laughs> Max, if I had that information as is right now, I would give it to you just so you could throw it on, this, on the athletic. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, anything else for Wings fans as they approach the trade deadline uh, that you think is newsworthy or worth chatting about uh, before we let you go here? No, but I think it's going to be a really, a really interesting deadline. And and like I kind of wrote this week, I, I wrote kind of some ripple effects of, of each of these potential moves that could be made. I think not only is this going to be an interesting deadline, I think you're going to see the consequences of this deadline play out for multiple years to come. If they're able to get an additional first round pick in this draft, that's, that's huge. Like, I know that like all first round picks follow that same chart where the value drops off pretty sharply from, from the top, but especially when, when you're going into the position that they are in, they need to hit on like a, a big defenseman at some point here, getting one more in that range, even if it's like number 25 or something, if you can get the defensive equivalent of Joe Valeno, somebody who like was maybe thought that they were going to go in that 10 to 15 range and happens to slip to the end of the round and you end up with somebody who could maybe play like reliably as like a two, three, that's a huge win for any of these guys on an expiring deal. If that happens, like imagine that coming out of this, like you, you, yeah, you have to, to pass up the chance to bring Gus Nyquist back, but you get a two, three out of it for the future. That would be massive. And especially in, in as forward heavy a draft as this is to me, it looks like they should probably go forward with their first pick, assuming it's in the top like five or six. Um, yeah, that's a great way to get a first round defenseman out of it. Um, anyway. All right, everyone. This has been Max Boltman of The Athletic Detroit. Max is on Twitter at, uh, at M underscore Boltman. I'm sure you're following him already. And if you're not, what are you doing? Uh, more importantly, Max's uh, work can be found on The Athletic. Uh, he writes for The Athletic Detroit. Uh, Max, you've been pumping out amazing piece after amazing piece. Um, it is absolutely worth a subscription, so go check him out. Um, and if you like hearing him on here, well, we harass him a lot. We're going to have him back on, back on again soon. Max, <laughs> th- thanks so much for joining us. Anytime, guys. Thanks so much for, for the kind words and, uh, and and everything else. I'm really glad to be on. And that was our interview with Max Boltman of The Athletic Detroit. Uh, that was a doozy. We, the, that was, uh, we, are, we always expect substantial stuff from Max, but that one, like he, he dropped some bombshells. There was, there was some tidbits in there. I, I love when the guy whose literal job it is to cover the Red Wings goes, how? I don't know how they can come back with all the defensemen but they might <laughs> <laughs> it really lends credence to the fact that we're not crazy for thinking that we're crazy yeah and like, how good of a job kenny is doing at keeping everything close to the vest because I, I kept kind of prying at max like hey have you heard anything have you heard it he's like no seriously i haven't i'm like damn it kenny come on open up buddy <laughs> so that was actually uh it was excellent because that was like a comprehensive coverage of everything that is detroit um there's nothing really in there that we could talk about in terms of the red wings that that max didn't cover on his own um so thank you max for so much content that means we can get out of here quicker no i'm kidding um everything from from jensen to howard to nyquist to to red wings brain trust uh, scoping out guys that we might not even have thought about. There's uh, there, all our bases are covered, and, and by the way that Ken Holland's operating, I feel like we're not going to know how that all pans out until Monday afternoon. No, <laughs> we probably. I get the gut feeling we're not going to know till like 3 p.m. on Monday. Mm-hmm. You you mentioned that uh, you saw someone said uh, Friedman on the 31 Thoughts podcast right. today. Friedman on on 31 Thoughts said um, he thinks Kenny's drawing this out to the last minute, and you can't. 
blame him because with that return you got for Tatar and with the way this yeah. market is set up, it's kind of the strategy. But here. you can't trade three guys in the span of a half an hour. Logistically, you just can't do it. No. So, But Ken Holland would be just as satisfied trading none of the guys, right? I don't, know, I don't know if I would say just as satisfied, but yeah. yeah. I, I If I had to put money down, I would say one of the three moves. I'm I'm leaning towards I think Nyquist and Jensen are both going to move. You think both? I think Nyquist has a good enough reputation around the league that they'll get either a first or a second plus something to round up to a first. And I think they're going to get a second for Jensen. I'm going to go off the board here. I think if we're talking not both of them and only one of them moves, I actually think it'll be only Jensen. I think Jensen's value and the risk that you take with what you'd have to pay for Jensen is so much more substantial than what it was a week ago, a month ago, a year ago. So so you got to look at it two ways. I think the market relative to the strength of the player is going to be stronger on Jensen. Cause like, as we talked about with Max, as far as good rental defensemen go, like legitimately valuable rentals, Jensen's pretty much the end of the list. Um, but Detroit also needs defensemen long-term more like we were talking about how absurd the log jam is going to be next year but max wasn't wrong as of right now of current red wings defensemen uh Chalosky, Hronik, and DeKaiser are the only three under contract past next season so as much as we would love to say that Higgins, Sulak and Sariarvi will be and or and or McIsaac and Lindstrom will be the answers there uh Detroit doesn't strike me as the organization who's gonna throw out essentially three rookies and two sophomores for a full season so no um if you told me that re-signing you, you make a good point with it in that there aren't going to be a lot of uh veteran red wing defensemen or essentially anything other than kids on the blue line in however many years um and i've noticed that as well and what what i caution towards is applying that logic when you're talking about someone like jensen who's not exactly young he's 28 and so you have to imagine his decline in terms of age and what's typical will start soon um, if you're applying that logic towards him, that's fine because you can sign Jensen right now for a three-year deal, even a four-year deal, and and no one can bat an eye at it, depending on what the, the price is. But when you're talking about guys like Erickson or Daly or um, someone else who's substantially older and slower and, and, and worse, that's where I hesitate. And the organization, the reason I bring it up is because the organization does it often. When they talk about bringing in guys like Vanek, they're like, "Well, they can't all be young guys." No. But that's not an excuse for bringing in a replace a below replacement level player. Like you're talking guys like Erickson and, and Daly, who have been among you know the worst defensemen in the league. Mika's noise output it, has just. <laughs> it literally sounds like a pterodactyl is fighting a ferret. Yeah, like apt, <laughs> incredibly apt. I walked in today and she just laid on her back with her arms and legs kicking in the air, shrieking, for and I just like stared at her. And she shrieked for almost eight seconds. <laughs> and I just looked at her and I was like, when is your peak noise output? When can I stop being scared of you? <laughs> when can I, when will you become a known quantity? And then she flung some Cheez-Its at me and ran off. I mean, I've had a lot of Cheez-Its based bits lately. I'm hungry. Yeah, I'm hungry too. Really are the perfect snack. This podcast, not sponsored by Cheez-Its. Unless they want us to be. Unless they want to be. Unless you want to. Um, so so the Red Wings will be interesting no matter how active they are. And this is actually one of those deadlines where I'm scared to say this, but if none of them get traded, depending on what happens in the news surrounding that, that might actually be understandable. 
okay is a different word, but I can understand how that could come yeah. to fruition. Yeah, because again, and it's the catch twenty two. Nyquist likely will be the biggest return, and it's also the most saturated market. But it's also a, he plays at a position the Red Wings are not struggling at right now. No, no, so, not at all. Yeah, it's this is truly the deadline. Anything and nothing and everything can and will happen. I think there are far more suitors for for Nyquist than people are recognizing right here. There, there's many suitors. There's, I would not be surprised if there's as many as eight to nine teams legitimately looking for a top six winger right now and willing to pay. The problem is Stone, Panarin, um, Furland, Simmons, Zuccarello, and then if you can always push centers to wing, so then you have Hayes, Duchesne, mm-hmm. and a few others that are just eluding the top of my head right now. So, And that's just rentals. There are Charlie Coyle had a year left on his contract and just got moved. So it's, I think Nyquist is the best winger available, not named Mark Stone or Artemi Panarin. And I think most teams will probably have him somewhere in that three to five range. But again, until they know whether they're getting Stone or Panarin or not, they're not pulling the trigger on, on Nyquist. And if a team like the Rangers says, yeah, we're comfortable taking just a straight up second for Zuccarello, or as Ken Holland holds firm on a first for Nyquist, you probably take Zuccarello because cost versus value right so let's move into the rest of the league now that we've covered the red wings um mm-hmm. this is there's no in my mind actually i was gonna, i'm gonna take it back i said there's no like true superstar artemi panarin is incredibly underrated uh no, no true th- superstar there is legitimately two true superstars yeah. available artemi panarin and mark stone mm-hmm. are top 10 to at worst, 15 wingers in the NHL right now. I would say Mark Stone is among one of the best two-way wingers in hockey. He's just not looked at because he doesn't play center. Oh, he, or he like, is now. It's it, now. He's not, he's not a secret anymore. He ha- he was for the longest time, but everything that's come out over the last month or two with his contract being up and a spotlight being on him, it's no secret. There's actually been a lot of talk that a lot of teams value Mark Stone over Artemi Panarin. I, that does not surprise me. No. Um, I would take Panarin first for sure, but... Of course, and Panarin does top our uh, list of well, everyone's list of trade board, trade bait, whatever you want to call it. Um, likely landing spots for Panarin. A lot of LA has shown up. A lot of New York has shown up, and these are more that's de- for his free agency destinations, so. though. And in terms of trade, in terms of trade, the the three na- the two, I'll say three teams that I keep hearing over and over and over again, and. Keep in mind, everything is so fluid. These are the ones that I'm going to say have been getting the most traction in the last 48 hours. The Nashville Predators, the New York Islanders, and the Dallas Stars. Those are the three true big game hunters that have been going in there. Columbus, also a possibility. Let's not forget, Columbus might just say, screw it, we're going for it. That is very much on the table still. Um, The Islanders are one of his rumored preferred free agency destinations so the islanders can take that gamble on let's pay a king's ransom for him let's acquire him and we got a good shot at extending him then Mm -hmm. the islanders also have a very deep prospect pool so they can give up hypothetically a first round pick or a noah dobson and they're not screwed dallas jim nil is just under a ton of pressure right now there are jobs on the line in dallas right now Jim Neal is GMing to not be fired this summer. So Dallas has to not only make the playoffs this year, they probably need a round. 
Well, so, you know he's going to get it. He learned from the Detroit Red Wings organization, <laughs> and that's their specialty, let me tell you. Yeah, so that – and then, again, Nashville. I think Nashville's hot to trot on all of the top five uh, forwards, rental forwards available. I think they will listen to anybody and everybody, and they're not above trading their first-round picker and Ely Tolvanen to get it. They are very much in their window right now. That kind of – payment i don't think is um absurd but that kind of payment is kind of saddening to hear as a red wings fan because ottawa hasn't in my mind been fast enough to move these big stars or even really shop them actively and if an ely Tovenin's on the table the team's going to save that up until they know mark stone is no longer available right yeah. so there's no way that detroit could ever work together a package with nyquist or whoever else not that nashville would ever be looking for jensen um for that kind of home run return. And that's not anything to really fret about. It's just kind of a thought that's popped into my head where if Holland's holding out until the very end in hopes of this, he needs to hope that Stone and Duchesne and Panarin get moved soon. Um, talking about... We'll, we'll talk about Stone in a second, but Panarin really... Um, a lot of his desired destinations are for him as a person. He likes California. He likes Florida. He'd be happy with either of those teams. And he New likes York New York. City. Like yeah. the, the big flashy east coast uh team as well um i really do find florida clearing cap space very very interesting they're shopping mike hoffman they asked him for a list and apparently jonathan huberdo's on the block which is insane so they really are shoring up the opportunity to get both bobrovsky and panarin now the one interesting the one really interesting thing too is um panarin switched agents not that long ago he now has the same agent as Sergei Bobrovsky. Yarmo- the agent's name I can't remember for the life of me. Yarmo Kekalainen's rubbing his temples right now. <laughs> but what's interesting is, uh, I think it was even Friedman saying on, on the podcast today again, was they might be a package deal in free agency. Mm-hmm. They might be like, yep, nope. We're both going to Florida, we're both going to the Islanders, or wherever. And You get a discount if you buy both? $20 million for both? Would you take that? No, I don't think I don't I would I don't think I'd ever be comfortable paying a goalie that much. <laughs> no, it would be too much for a goalie. Um, Especially Bobrovsky's creeping up on thirty and they're gonna want terms, so Oh, but seven million for Marc Andre Fleury's fine. For four years, sure. That's actually three years. Three years, yeah. Well Bobrovsky's probably gonna want seven or eight. Surprise. Uh Panarin is the true, true superstar to be had. Um again, you're right, Columbus could hold on to him. They could just say, screw it, we're going for it. Because they have these these players. They're a good team. But the East is about as competitive as the West isn't right now, right? Like, they are not coming through Tampa Bay. They are not coming through Toronto. They are probably they probably wouldn't come through, you know, Washington or, or one, at least one other team in the East. That's me saying that. Anything can happen in the playoffs. Uh, you're, you're talking about the East. Let's narrow this down a bit more, though. Look at Columbus as they're constructed right now when healthy, because I know there's a lot of teams being nailed by injury right now. But you look at Columbus, Panarin, Bobrovsky can get his game together. They've got Wierenski. They've got Seth Jones. Is there anybody in the Metro you think they can't beat? Not that you would bet on them to beat them, but you think there's anybody in the Metro right now untouchable? The Islanders are leading that division. Not untouchable, no. But in my mind, you have to look beyond one or two rounds if you're keeping both Bobrovsky and Panarin. If if you're confident that if you keep... Panarin and Bobrovsky in hell. They're, they've even been rumored to be one of the teams hot to trot on Duchesne. All it takes is is an Andre Vasilevsky injury in the conference finals, and 
boy, howdy, you are very close to the cup finals at that point, right? And the West, there are no powerhouses in the West right now. Winnipeg has not been playing great. Nashville has not been playing great. Um, St. Louis has Calgary, won 100 of the last 100 games. Calgary's starting goalie is David Riddick right now. Um, San Jose's got one of the worst safe percentages as a team in the NHL right now. I'm not saying that Columbus is going to be a favorite to win the cup, but I'm just saying it's far from the craziest scenario going into this deadline right now. I have, I am more confident in Tampa Bay coming through as the Eastern Conference representative in the Stanley Cup Finals than I have ever been since we've started this podcast of any single team. I, oh, I agree wholeheartedly. This could be the best team since the O2 Red Wings. Oh yeah, they are. It's the best team. It's the best regular season team of the cap era, bar none. I don't think it's particularly close. Um, but again, Tampa was also the best team in the league a couple of years ago and a few years before Not that. Not like this, and though. No, but they were a Tyler Johnson broken wrist and a Ben Bishop groin injury away from being back to back Stanley Cup champions. But guess what? The injuries and the Stamco and I forgot about the Stamkos injury. Hockey happens, man. You you can. Never bank on anything. They could lose Yanni Gord and Steven Stamkos right now and still have two projected 100-point scores on their Oh, yeah, and they're probably still the favorites. But at that point, man, hockey's not like other sports. How rare is it that the President's Trophy winners win the Stanley Cup? It's, no, hockey has a It least- happens more often than it does. It ha- they don't win the Cup more often than they do by a lot. It has the lowest correlation in terms of like the predictability of hockey is by far the lowest of all major sports. It's so much of it is based on yeah. luck or things that we are not good at measuring yet. Absolutely. Yeah. But I think you'd have to stretch really far to make a better case for keeping Artemi Panarin and Sergei Bobrovsky right now than you would for shipping them out if you're Yarmo Kekulainen, GM of the Columbus Blue Jackets. But here's the thing. Sergei Bobrovsky, uh, he ain't going anywhere in all likelihood. Again, Mm-mm. who's trading for him? Calgary, maybe. I don't see a goalie market there. I think if you're Calgary or you're a team who's barely floating by uh, with goaltenders, you wait out to the last second. You sit there and say, if we don't get Bobrovsky at the end, that's fine. But, you know, you don't want to shatter the confidence of Riddick and Smith by going in big and, and shopping around publicly and, and having every beat writer from here to hell writing about it. But you wait until the last second. You put together a sufficient package, a fine package, maybe not a good one, not one that the fan base would be happy about, but one that that GM would take. And at the 11th hour, you send it to him. You say, hey, it's better than nothing. And if they send that to him after Panarin's gone, when they've really given up on their chances, you could get a Sergei Bobrovsky for really cheap. And depending on the destination, Sergei Bobrovsky comes swooping in with his full NTC. Yeah, that's fair. He gets complete control into where he ends up, even this season. Would he? Would he exercise that right now, knowing he's going to to move? Maybe, but man. People have families, lives. They don't. Three I'm just months. Like, I don't want to go live out of a hotel for four months. Like you never know, man. You never know. I think. I think you would go live out of a hotel for four months if I made. I would. <laughs> I would in a heartbeat. But I'm not Sergey Bobrovsky, and I don't know what's going through his head. This whole. Whole season with Sergey Bobrovsky drama has been weird. Let's do Mark Stone, Matt Duchesne, and uh, Dezingle on the Senators, who all, as we speak right now, are not playing for the Ottawa Senators. They're healthy scratches to protect them so a Mike Green situation doesn't happen, which is, in my mind, smart. 
Yep, you it's, absolutely do it. You can blow that up into a big story, but that's nothing other than blowing it up into a big story, really. The, the Rangers are playing Kevin Hayes and Matt Zuccarello today, so the Nyquist trade value might go up by the yeah, end honestly. of the night. And if you're a Red Wings fan, you know, because Mike Green literally broke his neck off of an innocuous hit, and then, which destroyed his trade value last year. Mm-hmm. Last year? Yep. It seems like many, many moons ago. It was last year. Um, Mark Stone, one of the most underrated two-way forwards in the league, um, he is absolutely the biggest get behind Artemi Panarin and probably more likely, definitely more likely to move than Panarin. He is definitely being traded. At this point, there have been... Mm, mm, mm. Ottawa's making a heavy push for him. They're making a real, real... Every legitimate source I've read over the last 48 hours says Duchesne's all but gone. Uh what happens with Dizingle is going to be what happens with Stone, but apparently they're doing the full court press on Stone. Latest rumor was uh, on a five or a six year contract, not a seven or eight, but the latest offer they had, they were up around ten and a half million per season. They are not screwing around with Mark Stone. If I'm Mark Stone, I know I can get that times eight years in free agency, seven years. But yeah, yeah, right. No, I agree. I I think it's I can't believe they're not just willing to bite the bullet and give him the extra two years. But and if I'm Mark Stone, you know, Duchesne has come out and said that he loves Ottawa and he would like to be part of that rebuild. Stone hasn't exactly said the same thing, and he went through an arbitration process with them over the summer. Did he? I thought they got that resolved right before. Yeah, but they was still they still yeah. were there. Yeah, right? Stone hasn't said anything. That's the intriguing part about this. Stone's camp has been has done exactly what they should do. Yeah, there is nobody knows that damn thing about what's going on with Mark Stone right now. And if you're less right now we're recording at 8:30 Eastern Time PM on Thursday, February 21st, 21st. 21st. You're 21st. You're less than 4 days away. So if you haven't accepted a contract offer, that you as a GM have to assume that contract offer is never being signed. Well, I haven't had a chance to listen to it, but um apparently Bob McKenzie released his podcast about 4 hours ago. And he he said something along the lines of, I don't know exactly how he phrased it, but he fully expects whether or not Mark Stone is in or out of the lineup tonight is going to be a real good indication of where the contract talks are at. If he plays, it looks like it's going to get done. If he doesn't, eh, there's a lot of doubt there. So the fact that he's not playing is the first real clue we've had that, yeah, this there's a good chance this doesn't get done. Not to say it won't get done, but man, can you imagine in the in the span of a calendar year trading your franchise defenseman your franchise winger and your franchise and your number one center my god ottawa all all because of ownership my god ottawa all three things detroit like would desperately want although i think larkin long term is a better projection than duchene but still (laughs) (laughs) the uh the value for stone at this point if you're paying for mark stone what are you giving up I'm giving up a first and my top prospect comfortably if I'm a Winnipeg or a Nashville. Uh, Shovel day off probably is not too far off uh, tying up. I, I read this from someone else. This isn't an original joke by me, so don't laugh too hard. But they're talking about how Shovel day off might have to tie Pierre Dorian to the basement of uh, what is it, the MTS Center yeah. in Winnipeg before he leaves without giving up Mark Stone. Um what, in terms of what Winnipeg has, has to offer, their first-round pick and... Veselainen. Would that do it for you if you're Ottawa? 100%. I wouldn't even think twice. I couldn't pull the trigger on that fast enough. Hmm. 
And it, again, it's like you look at a team. Every team's a different circumstance. Winnipeg is not hurting for prospects right now. No, they're not. They, they're Ottawa, almost a, like a Tampa Bay construction where they have that pipeline stocked and they also have the talent there. Yeah, and if and if Ottawa's like, no, we don't want Vesselina. We want a defenseman. All right, they have Sammy Niku. It's not – they're doing fine. It's so surprising to me that Ottawa is just now willing to pay Mark Stone the $10.5 million over – I don't think five years is enough term, but five years – where is this money coming from if you're Eugene Melnick, if you're Pierre Dorian? <laughs> Why the, wasn't that there before? It's coming from all the money um, Matt Duchesne and Eric Carlson are not getting. Yeah, but, you know, you have to be able to the, – the lack of foresight and the lack of proper management of a team, of an organization has just been somehow still baffling. <laughs> It it's it should have worn off by now the effect of how baffling it is, but it still throws me off that they were willing to sour the relationship, to destroy the relationship in the summer, pay the guys what is it seven and a half he's making this year. If you want to do this full court press, now's not the time. Two months ago is the time. Six months ago is the time. Eight months ago is the time. Yeah, it could be to be fair, it could be Stones Camp knowing that the closer they get to the deadline, the more desperate Ottawa might get. Yeah. For sure, but I also I think teams are more likely to play these games because the GM always goes home to the same city every night. GMs can't get traded. It's, it's, players are less interested in that lack of security. Yeah, um, but players also interested in literal dump trucks full of money. Yeah, yeah, and it's just uh, Stone deserves his, and uh, it should have been coming his way way sooner. If I had to make a prediction, I think all three are moved. I think so too, which is... It's just, which is a mind-blowing thing to say because we're less than four days away. Yeah, it's it's again, like I just said, they traded their franchise, maybe not maybe the best player in their franchise's history this summer. Now they're going to move their number one center, and now they're going to move a top ten NHL winger in a space of what nine, ten months. That's. That's that's got to be unprecedented. There's no way. I can't. When was the last time a team moved their number one winger, center, and defenseman in a in such a short time frame? Moving on. Once you get past Mark Stone and Artemi Panarin, and then probably Matt Duchesne just a step below them, you you get to a point where you have a cluster of players, all who all of whom could be targeted by the same teams. Yep. Kevin Hayes, Gustav Nyquist to Detroit, Matt Zuccarello, Michael Furland. Marcus Johansson, even Eric Stahl, even Silver Silverberg just got extended, which I don't quite understand that contract. Um, Dezingle, these are all guys with varying levels of value in terms of like what their actual practical value is, but in terms of what a team will value them at at the trade deadline, I could see a team jumping from guy to guy to guy in terms of who they want to target and for the reasons that they need. This is why Gus Nyquist might remain a Red Wing because yeah. other teams might just pick other players and Ken Holland's. They're holding himself, and he's run out of options. So the price that is being demanded for Gustav Nyquist probably isn't that different than the price for Kevin Hayes, Kevin, or Matt Zuccarello, or, Matt or Zuccarello. Michael Furland. And and again, on the, some of these players might get pulled off too, because you look at specifically Michael Furland and Wayne Simmons. Now all of a sudden, Carolina and Philly are making pushes for the playoffs. Are they even going to be sellers anymore? Mm-hmm. Um, Eric Stahl. The rumor is he might not want to leave Minnesota. Um, I'm assuming when that rumor came out, I never bothered to check. Now to think about it, I'm assuming he has some sort of trade protection. So the the market could shrink in a hurry. It's just none of the dominoes have really fallen yet. No, and they they won't. Right? If it's going, if it's this late, 
We'll see one or two things happen over the weekend, but I really think we're going to have a lot of news to talk about the happened day of recording Monday's podcast. I'm fully anticipating like noon to 3 p.m. just being a circus. Yeah. Yeah. Like the amount that's ahead of Gustav Nyquist, like Kevin Hayes, Michael Furland, Matt Zuccarello, Duchesne, obviously, all are guys that I think will get knocked on their door before Gustav Nyquist. No one sell them, but yeah, a good chunk of them. Um, and then, you know, you throw Dezingle in there. Uh, you so- throw Simmons in there, who I think has way more name value than practical value. Um, Johansson, Panic. There's a lot that can happen, and I still think a good chunk of this board moves. This is an active market. You look at the way the Western Conference is right now, where teams are actively vying for the Hughes lottery and making the playoffs. I think one, like something stupid, like one. Okay, point. well, let's do a fun, quick thought extra. Rather than running through every player individually, because that will take forever, let's go through teams in contention. Columbus, are they looking to acquire a top six forward? Well, if they move Panarin, yes. Yes. Islanders. Yes. Yes. Pittsburgh. Yes. But they don't have the assets to give up. So they might be an asterisk. Washington. Uh, more defense. I think they're looking there for. There you go. And Tampa. they just got Haglin. Washington yeah. just got Haglin. Tampa. Um, f- somehow, yes. Somehow they're always involved in the talk, so I won't say no. Toronto. No. Uh, defense. Boston. Yeah. Uh, who else is in there? Boston One. still has room after trading yeah. for... Um, his name's escaping me. We just talked about it. Charlie Coyle. Charlie Coyle. Montreal's probably not looking. No. Um, and the teams outside are probably, they might not trade the rentals, but... Were you doing won't. only playoff teams? Yep. And Or teams that like are just outside that might look to buy. So we just went through the Eastern Conference and we came up with, what, five teams that might legitimately be Buyers. trying to buy? Yeah. Carolina? Not likely to buy. But holding on to Furland is Takes almost... Takes one off the market, yeah. yeah. Same with Philadelphia and Wayne Simmons. They might hold on at this point. Now um, in the West... Now in the West, Winnipeg. Nashville. Oh, Winnipeg, hundred percent. Yeah, Nashville, hundred percent. St. Louis. Might, those might be the two biggest buyers for a top six. Absolutely. Sport. They're they're paying top dollar. They're they're paying for the tasting menu. They're there to for fine dining. Yeah. Like these are your big big yeah. fish. Uh, St. Louis. I'd say no. They're kind of playing with found money right now, and I think they know it. Do they know it? Would you put full faith in Jordan Bennington and Jake Allen right now? No, but. Would you seem stupid for not capitalizing on something that might not happen again in any in your future with this roster? There are only three pending UFAs are not significant names, so I don't think they would be too devastated. Calgary, I think, makes a move. Yes, they are definitely looking for scoring help. San Jose? Uh, they don't have the assets to really give up for a premium piece, so I think they'd be looking more for a depth guy, or they'd be that team that swoops in at 245 on Monday to pick up the scraps of whoever didn't get traded at a bargain price. I think San Jose is kind of the prototypical team to put together kind of a Frankenstein package for a Nyquist type. Well, they they don't hold their first round pick. They traded most of their top prospects. Right there. There's not a lot to give up there for a premium piece. Frankenstein, man. I, you, you take one GM that's desperate enough. That's and- what I said. If they get anybody, it'll be at a bargain. So, uh, Vegas. Yes. They're looking to add scoring. Yep. Um, Dallas. Yes. They're 100% looking to add scoring. There's so many landing spots for Nyquist. Uh, Colorado. Nope. Chicago. Mm, doubt it, but Chicago is tied with Colorado, who's in the second wild card spot. That is ludicrous. See, I'm just going to, because I know this is a trade deadline primer, so we didn't want to talk about it, but I'm just going to uh, use this opportunity to say it was 4 1. <laughs> 
A 5-1 lead and a 4-1 lead blown over the course of two games against the Red Wings. Those those pesky Red Wings. Yeah. They keep stealing those two. I don't care that they stole points in those games. Coming back was worth Th- it. Those are the ones that the confidence boost that Larkin, Athanasiu, and Mantha and Bertuzzi get from games like that and performances like that is worth yeah. the extra two points in the standings. Um, the the four assists from Mantha was hilarious because I've been putting up that meme of like the scroll of truth and it says Mantha won't hit 30 goals and he goes nah and he throws it away and I was like see that doesn't work for my meme man I'm not going to remake a whole picture with Mantha won't hit however many assists that's not but hey four assists for Mantha guy's picking up Mantha's been on fire since he's Larkin's close to 30 goals Athanasiu and Larkin might be both be 30 goal scorers Uh, Larkin needs five in 21 games Athanasiu needs eight eight something like that yeah Athanasiu would have to go on a tear. And I don't think people appreciated how filthy Athanasiu's first goal was yesterday. That was disgusting. The, he could go for the lacrosse style, but just did it quicker and just threw it off the back of Cam Ward's head into the net. Like that, that To have the presence of mind to do that that quickly is, is nuts. That was Athanasiu just having the puck there going, oh, well, I'll try it. Oh my God. It but works. it wasn't like he just flicked it up in the air. He actually, the puck was on edge. He corralled it and threw it. Like, he threw it from a very low angle, so it doesn't look like a lacrosse style. But that was essentially a lacrosse style goal. It's nuts. And he knew, and he probably knew, because that was, you know, halfway through the third period, the ice is snowy. You can't do a lacrosse style goal late in the period. There's just, you won't get enough traction on your six. So it's just like, yeah, chuck it. And hits Cam Ward in the back of the head and it goes in the net. That's, that's, that's nuts. Um, Minnesota, Arizona, Vancouver. No, um, those guys are- Seller stand stand, yeah, and then everyone else is everyone else. Three teams are and then, yes, and then Edmonton. Edmonton, funny enough, will be a player. Maybe not for rentals. They'd be training for guys with term. They're, they they may be active in acquiring, but it will not be for rentals. No, but because if they're giving up Pooley they want some control. Is because he's about the only asset they have that's worth training for that they're gonna trade. Imagine Edmonton comes in and grabs like. Stone. They wouldn't though without an extension. They wouldn't even entertain it. No, but you, you can have those conversations. It's mm-hmm. legal now for for teams to speak to a, a player's agent to say, "Hey, like, are they interested in extending here? We want to know before we trade." It's nothing's legally binding there, but that's well, pretty teams much. can always give permission to yeah negotiate. Like, go negotiate a contract if you get something done. Cool. Here's the price. Yeah, and that I actually think I, I think is a huge change, which would allow. I I wouldn't bet on this happening, but. If Edmonton's feeling crazy, if Edmonton really wants to distract from what happened this year, let's just put it this way: that's not the type of move an interim GM would make. No, but is are these guys going to be interim, or is this going to happen for, so. for the next sixteen months? Um, Mike Hoffman is a guy in the market that's really interesting to me because he's was it the team's leading scorer in points right now? I don't know. If it, no, there's no way goals. Maybe I doubt he's ahead of Barkov in points and Huberdeau. Um, him being on the market is not displeasure with him. It means two things. One, Panthers acquired him for a steal of what they should have, which is true. And two, the Panthers are looking to clear cap space for Artemi Panarin and Sergei mm-hmm. Bobrovsky, which mm-hmm. is incredibly significant because that is a that is a big baller move if you're a Panthers GM, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. And apparently they're looking at all options to clear cap space, which goes all the way up to Jonathan Huberdeau. Which again is crazy to me. He's a young, high-scoring forward. You don't, anyways. But uh, those are the type of players with term that I could see Edmonton looking at. Mm-hmm. 
Oh man, yeah, you're right. Mike Hoff- no, he's a leading goal scorer, Mike Hoffman. Twenty six goals as opposed yeah. to Barkov's twenty three. He's uh well off the pace. Or he's got forty nine points, so he's third. But if they have Hoffman and Huberto, that's your second and third leading point getters. I have no idea what Florida's doing anymore. I, I'm all for going for Panarin and Bobrovsky, but there are so many other ways you can shed cap. How old is Hoffman? I want to say mid to late twenties. How old is Hoffman's girlfriend that keeps Causing problems. Oh, he's twenty nine. I was gonna say, isn't she? Didn't she go to like grade school with Evan, like high school with Evan? So Evan's age. Yeah, Hoffman's twenty nine, so they won't be looking to sign him for eight years. No. Well, you know, you never know what teams do, but I, I think signing past the age of thirty five is now bad juju for teams, and they've kind of recognized that, which agreeably so. Um, yeah, the, that's kind of the huge, the big value guys. Matt Zuccarello being on the board. Um, is kind of the same tier as as uh, Nyquist. Ely Tolvanen really is an interesting piece in my mind. Nashville's going to have to part ways if they're going to land a big fish. Mm, if they're landing one of the big three, yes. Um, unless they... Well, the, the the wild card here that nobody's talking about is... I don't think Nashville still has a contract with Fabro. No? I don't think so. Which means he could go the VC route and choose to sign elsewhere. It's not like there's a ton of opportunity above him on the Preds roster right now. I'm trying to look this up because I actually had never even considered that. Yeah, because he's got to be only two to three years away from getting that college player unrestricted free agency clause that uh, VC and a couple other players have taken advantage of in the past. Because, again, you look at Nashville's defense. Where's Fabro fitting next year? Yeah, 20 years old. Um, yeah. So so again, there could be a scenario where Nashville's like, I don't, we don't want to give up our first, but the right, and it's just it's Nyquist for Fabro straight up, something like that. It's not bad. I would do that in a heartbeat. Are you kidding me? You know, you do a lot of things in a heartbeat, Brad. Yes, because I'm, I have common sense. Oh. I don't overthink. I don't overthink things. Oh, this when you're this, getting a potential top four defenseman for a rental, Ryan, you do it. This guy with the the common sense. He, where did he play for? Boston University? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I have not. Why isn't that bigger news? Because it's still a couple years out. It's not like it's going to happen this summer. But it's those are the type of things you have to factor in. Like, Nashville's probably had a ton of talks with its agents. So they, they know if he's leaning one way or the other. And if he's being very evasive, they have to start wondering. Because, um, Whereas I think it's happening with Adam Fox in Carolina right now, which is a big reason why Calgary included him as part of that trade because they didn't think they were going to sign him. So mm-hmm. there's a. Uh... I'm sorry. I, I I'm just. <laughs> Did you guys get your daughter clogs or something? <laughs> she is just putting the beating down on your flooring. Yeah. How often do you have to replace that? Too often. Um, I just keep looking at this Western Conference playoff race and it's absolutely one team is literally going to trip and fall into the playoffs someone's going to make into the second round that absolutely should not have i think i saw something the other day that said um based on everybody's projections right now the in the eastern conference the eighth seed playoff points cutoff is 96 points and in the west it's like 84 yeah that is absolutely there's been this like uh magnetic pole shift in terms of how the the conferences are looked at. Didn't you notice that that happened very shortly after Detroit came over? No. The hell? That's our luck. No, but 
it started happening before anyone with half a brain could see. Yeah, you're going in with Toronto and Tampa Bay and Boston and Montreal. Like, Toronto was a joke when the Wings came over. Yeah, but after so many years, you think that's got to change, right? Yeah, you would think so, but you know, it took them long enough. And we watched Austin Matthews or Toronto win that draft lottery. Shanahan was so happy. I still remember the look on his face. <laughs> I'm. I would like to imagine the look on Ken Holland's face when that gold Detroit Red Wings card is flipped over this April, but I don't think Ken Holland has another facial expression. So I've never seen him look more thrilled in his generic interview this morning with generic reporter stating generic things. Uh, anyone else on the trade board do you think is worth priming in a, a ahead of the deadline? Not anyone that not in any significant factor that we haven't already talked about. I'm just I'm more curious to see if there's going to be that wild card guy traded that we weren't expecting like a Tatar like a Detroit anybody Locker. yeah anybody like yeah. I, I'm not betting on a Huberto going but man that'd be fun if it did this trade deadline and I, I'm saying this not ima- imagining it'll happen because I think a lot of these guys will be moved for reasonable deals but this trade deadline could be an absolute travesty because in terms of you know B plus and higher grade talent available I can't remember a more potent trade deadline than this one. No, it's we've never seen anything like this before, ever. But, but if the walls of the dam don't break soon, a lot of those guys could be left unmoved. Yeah, just because, like the, the logistic, like if it goes on too late, logistically, you can't hammer out a trade in three minutes and get it submitted to no. the league and all that kind of stuff. So Mark Stone is being managed by. The problem, maybe the most mismanaged organization in hockey right now, which is saying something. And Artemi Panarin is an incredibly difficult player to assess and work with if you're the management or the, the team controlling him. And those are two very peculiar situations. So it's not exactly just value and hockey factor here. You're talking about the human factor. You're talking about a lot of politics, a lot of bureaucracy, a lot of risk and gamble and, you know, money that teams aren't willing to play with. Um, those guys, if those guys don't get moved till Monday, you're going to see three or four high level guys. And I'm talking like Gustav Nyquist quality that aren't going to get moved in my mind. Mm-hmm. But if these guys get moved on Friday, Saturday, even Sunday, then we're talking. Then we're going to have a quite an active flurry of, of Monday afternoon. But no Every- matter what, I think Monday is going to be a busy day. Everybody's getting traded within an hour of us getting finishing recording. If you're an NHL GM and you trade a high level if you make a blockbuster trade on thursday evening after we post this or while we're recording you will never be invited on this show you will never be a friend of the winged wheel you will never be on the dub dub (laughs) we will boycott you um with that we're gonna actually head over to uh patreon for some quick overtime questions um of course every episode uh when we have time for overtime what's your sad face brad i just saw a tweet that just made me it made me hurt inside. I just I just saw one of the Oilers beat writers tweet out their lines for tonight. Oh, I saw that. Their top line tonight is Ty Ratty, Connor McDavid, and Zach Cassian. Oh, Connor McDavid's playing? Between Ty Ratty and Zach Cassian. Yep. That's the highlight of Zach Cassian's career. Um we get to when we do get to overtime. It of course is brought to you by uh, our Patreon supporters. Their comments get read out on air as our way of saying thank you. Um, we I did say that we might have some time for questions for Max. Um, we didn't quite get to it. We kept Max for, for quite a while, and he actually covered everything. Um, and so I apologize to you guys in advance, but we're still going to read out your question, and we're going to pretend to be Max and read them out. 
Uh, Brendan B. Singer says, uh, Hey, Max, out of the three big, big trade pieces, Jensen, Howard, and Goose, who would be most likely to be traded as a rental and return to Detroit this summer, if any? Of those three, Howard is by far, and Max addressed this, by far the most likely to uh, get traded and come back. Um, still doesn't happen a lot in hockey, but it is, um, if anyone had to have that tag on him, that'd be Howard. Uh, Hunter Saunders says, is there any serious interest in someone besides the big three? Helm, DeKaiser, someone else? If so, what would their return be looking like? Okay. Again, based on what Elliot Friedman said specifically on the 31 Thoughts podcast today, Rowan, cover your ears. He said he thinks teams are looking at Darren Helm and Luke Glendening. That's amazing. I still can't believe that. I'm, I'm not expanding on that. That's, that's the thought. I don't need to expand on that. It's weird. There's... If, if it's like a seventh for Glenn Denning and Holland doesn't want to do it, I'd find whatever. But if we're talking like fourth, third, if we're talking pretty much anything reasonable for Helm, yeah, you got to, you, cap, uh, cap space is an asset for a guy who has five goals this year. Yes. Mind you, five of those goals were elite. Rowan, elite. settle down. Uh, Colton, <laughs> Colton Del Rimple says, do you think Calgary is going to try to pursue Jimmy or do you think they'll pursue Sergey and try to make a deal with Columbus? If they try to pursue Jimmy, Calgary will probably hold all the leverage with negotiations doing to be really being the really the only team in the market for a goaltender. Do you think Ken Holland will be looking for any deal possible in exchange for Jimmy or do you think he'll only deal away Howard if he's uh, it's a deal he's 100% confident and satisfied with? It's only going to be for a, a the good deal. Yeah. yeah, He's not... Uh, Holland is very much a man of sentiment, uh, a man of loyalty, and he's practiced that a lot with with UFAs, pending UFAs. And Howard is maybe the most beloved Red Wing right now. Um, that's not named Larkin. He, Ken Holland is not keen to trade him. He doesn't really care about the return unless it's something worth talking about, and he genuinely believes right now that that's a first or at least a good second. So. No, I don't think Howard gets moved for that reason. And no, I don't think he's in the business of moving it for just anything. Do I think that's the correct way to take it? Me personally, no. But I, I know my assessment of where Detroit is right now and what their goalie needs are differs a lot from some other hosts of the podcast. Um, Chris Gatchel says, hey, guys, first thing, Ryan, you're acting an NHL player in an interview is spot on. Couldn't stop laughing. Guess that makes you funnier than Brad. Secondly, where do you guys think Nyquist will actually end up? I think he'd be a good fit in Boston next to Krejci or as a shark. Thanks, as always, for a great show. I think I still think Nashville. I think Nashville's going to land one of the big fish. So I'm, I think Winnipeg and Nashville are going to be the two teams that land like the big, big fish. I don't have any substantial rumors to back this up. But I've got a gut feeling it's going to be Dallas. I don't really see why that would make sense for them. Who comes back then? I've heard rumors Honka. Would you do that? No. I'm not so high on Honka. Uh, neither am I. Not anymore. I'd rather they're first. <laughs> Send Lindell if you want. Uh, but then again, Gus is looking for a cup, so he might not even wave to go to Dallas. I, so I don't knows? see Gus not waving. Like I, I really don't see him invoking that. Hey, if they want to send Lindell. List, list is already out there. That list might only be four teams long. We'll, we'll take Lindell, you know. 
Uh, Philip Gastineau says, hey, Max and Co. Sorry again. Uh, I've noticed your, that our passing has been very clean as of late, especially our top six. Um, and he had a question for Max. Uh, are there things you can't put in an article because you work for a professional media group that you'd like to? For example, Chris Illich should force Holland to step aside for Eisenman. Love your work and how you grab every viewpoint in your articles, but I'd love to hear more about your opinion in a lot of cases. Um, I, that's actually funny that you asked that because Max actually did talk about that in the interview. When you heard him say, "These are the kind of, any major stories like that, <laughs> he'll see it printed right away. Um, I think a lot of... Uh, I think Max does an excellent, excellent job of uh, covering all the viewpoints and addressing them and I actually think he's been offering like a lot of his opinion as well. But you, the quality guys in my mind aren't guys that inundate you with their opinion when they're working for major, like a major group like The Athletic. If you're not a blog or if you're not a podcast or anything like that, putting out the objective facts I think is the first and most valuable thing. You look at Twitter or something else like that, you might find a little bit more of a, a candid personal opinion. Uh, Rowan says, good day, Max. Sorry. Uh, that beer was waiting for you, but I drank it, you know, summer and all. Has the emergence of Bertuzzi lately made Nyquist more expendable than maybe previously thought? Conversely, with the inactivity slash lack of surety coming out of Ottawa, will teams begin to move on to players not named Stone slash Duchesne who are probably in that tier below them at a point, or will they wait it out until the final throws of deadline? Lastly, do you think offer sheets will come out this year? I wouldn't say Bertuzzi's emergence replaces Nyquist in any way. I, I think they're different kinds of players, and I think... Bertuzzi's best is probably somewhere towards Nyquist middling or maybe even below average season in my mind. I mean, Bertuzzi's on pace this season to hit the point range that Nyquist hit the last two seasons. So, Which were middling seasons. They were middling, but exactly yeah, again, it depends. Is Nyquist now permanently a 65, 70-point scorer? No, but I don't think there's a Bertuzzi that will ever even sniff that. I or, think there could be. I wouldn't bet on it, but I think it could be there. I don't think the Getting, talent level Given the there. right... Given the right opportunity, you stick Bertuzzi and, and Nyquist with the same line mates or situation. I I, I, I agree, Nyquist is a better player, but I don't think there's that huge of a gap. But that being said, I don't think Bertuzzi's play is the reason Nyquist becomes more expendable or anything like that. That's just an overall organizational depth at wing. I don't gen like I I don't I think it would be an incorrect assessment to say. Bertuzzi's better now. We can get rid of Nyquist more comfortably. No, I, I no, think they yeah. fill different niches. I think Bertuzzi is the kind of guy you want on a third line on a good team. It's the reason Nyquist is expendable is because the Red Wings have Mantha, Athanasiu, Sveshnikov, Rasmussen, um, Zadina. I can keep going. They they're and not he's they're turning not thirty and he's going to be a UFA. And in my mind, you're looking to 2022 before this team can be. Yeah, they're they're not hurting for depth. Garrett TV says, uh, Max, you recently authored an interesting framework regarding what the Wings can do to build a contender during Larkin's prime. Again, yeah, we chatted about this. What's the biggest thing they should do at the deadline to help them work towards that scenario? Oh, man. I don't think the answer to this in terms of what's realistic is anything else other than get And Max chatted about this. Stock up on the, those first round picks. Yeah, you can get great defensemen or, or high-level guys um, anywhere else, but there's two things that are going to be huge for Detroit for their future. One, Max, you're getting a pick anywhere from one to five or six and get your a future top line forward, hopefully. And two, maximize your amount of picks in the first two or three rounds because they really, really, really need a home run swing on defense. The Red Wings currently have no 
true number one defenseman or anyone in the pipeline that will be um, or probably will be. Um, so at the deadline, can you acquire those things? Not realistically with what's available right now, but you could in the form of, you know, loot boxes, chance cards, draft picks, whatever you want to call them. That's that's what's available for Detroit. Other than that, um, don't sell for too little and don't hold on in the face of too much, which both of those things Holland has done, but Holland, to his credit, has also made amazing deals. So I think the last deadline selling um, to Tar for a first, second, and third, and then playing Mike Green when he got injured were two sides of the coin. With that, uh, that's our NHL trade deadline primer episode. Anything we're missing, Brad? <laughs> no. Uh, this is uh, this episode we're going to throw up on Twitter. Uh, we're going to be giving away a year subscription to The Athletic uh, to say thank you to Max for uh, coming on the show. Um, of course, if you guys um, aren't subscribed, they put out some amazing, amazing stuff. Not just Max. They have uh, an incredible cast over there. Um, we hit a, a milestone today. I don't think I told you about it. Our 125 uh, patron milestone got hit, which means we're doing oh, nice. a Patreon jersey giveaway. Do we? Did we say we had to hold 125 patrons for like a month? I can't remember what we said. Okay, but a pay, a jersey giveaway will be coming in the future. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, we're going to be doing more giveaways. Um, our end of season, whenever that game is, we're still deciding. Um, our end of season ticket giveaway with the host of the winged wheel podcast. So you're going to be going to a game with us is going to be happening soon. Um, tons of stuff is ramping up. Um, in the meantime, we hope you enjoy this. We'll see you on Monday after the trade deadline. Uh, I would, sorry, first like to thank our uh, name level sponsors, our Patreon patrons, Sean Levine, Chad Hiersack, Sky Carcass, Arjun Shanker, Clayton Van Dyken, Langabeer, Derek Shippard, Kalen Wood, Charlie Elkins, Stan Olson, Ryan Lewis, Dan Bell, Hannah Lee. Thank you guys so much. Uh, enjoy the trade deadline Monday. If you guys want to stay tuned with us before we record Monday night, go to Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod and then follow our individual accounts. That's where we'll be uh, tweeting from mainly. So follow at Winged Wheel Pod and then follow the individual accounts. And uh, we'll see you Monday night. Mm-hmm.